Welcome to According to Flint, the innovative podcast reaching beyond the Western demographic with stories, humor, and interviews. Now, here's your host, Flint Rasmussen. This episode of According to Flint is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, who is proud to bring the Western lifestyle and outdoor enthusiasts together for conservation projects, enhancing elk habitat, and ensuring the future of America's hunting heritage. Visit rmef.org for more information. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this episode of According to Flint. Everybody, welcome to episode number 38 of According to Flint, the podcast and approaching things a, a little different in this episode, although something I've been wanting to do, and we've discussed it here in studio, as you can see this week, I'm here by myself. Well, sort of by myself, Logan's in studio, and there are just a lot of things I feel like uh, if to myself uh, and PBR in general, a lot of questions that people have that I don't think always get answered Clearly, and maybe I'm not the guy to answer questions clearly, although I can about my own career things. So as many of you know that might be watching this, or maybe you didn't, I floated it out on my my uh, personal, not my personal, on my professional Facebook page. I want to take your questions. And I think we are going to, we've decided it's something we wouldn't mind doing uh, kind of periodically through the year. Uh, just do an episode uh, that's informative, answering PBR questions, career questions, whatever, personal stuff. It's personal stuff to uh, to an extent. So I do feel like that. I, I, I think there's a lot of questions in the Western sports world in general uh, that don't get answered. I didn't get many asked many rodeo questions because I think a lot of the fans on my Facebook page are strictly PBR fans. And I I do have strong opinions about rodeo as well, which in many of my answers I'm sure will be will be worked in uh, to an extent. But uh, that is our approach here today. And, and one of the biggest things I want to address, probably the most common uh, direct message through my fan pages, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, or, um, or Facebook, is are you going to be in such and such city? Are you coming to... Uh, Charleston? Are you coming to Bangor, Maine? Uh, and I, I've tried through the years, I guess we assume in the world of, of rodeo PBR, my mom always called it the alphabet soup of rodeo. PRCA, PBR, NRA, IPRA, the layperson, the everyday person doesn't always separate those and know what the hell we're talking about. PBR is the same way. We put the PBR logo on about three different levels of tours. Uh, there's the Unleash the Beast, the Velocity Tour, the Touring Pro. So I, I, I need to do a better job, which I will do soon, of putting what's coming up next on my schedule. That's a good idea, and, and I should be better at that. In the meantime, uh, if there is an event coming to your city and you're wondering what it's about, uh, who's going to be there, and you wonder if I'm going to be there, with our modern technology, go to PBR.com. And this is what it looks like. You go to schedule. That would be like in an upper right. It's a tab, right? The, the schedule tab. And this is what it looks like. Go to event schedule. So here it is. Um, 
so so you kind of have to read what the logo looks like. Uh, the PBR Area Invitational. As we record this podcast, that's next on the schedule, February fourth and fifth. That is the Unleash the Beast. If you see under PBR Area Invitational, Unleash the Beast. If it says Unleash the Beast Tour, that is our elite tour of the PBR. That's the one on CBS Sports Network. Uh, those are the ones. Then coming up after that in my world is Oklahoma City. Then it's St. Louis. Then it's the one night in LA. Then it's the one in Little Rock. So you have to sort through that. If it says Unleash the Beast, except Global Cup, I'll be there too. That Those are the events I go to. Uh, the Velocity Tour, guys like Matt Merritt, Robbie Hodges, Matt Tarr. Uh, there's several guys that work those. Unleash the Beast is the elite tour of the PBR. That's what you look for. That is where I'll be. First exception ever this year. <clears throat> I've never, I've missed some events. I had heart issues about 12 years ago. I had hernia surgery once. That's the only way I've really ever missed an event. This year I've taken one weekend off to go to a big college rodeo of my daughters. And that is uh, the weekend of Tacoma, Washington. Even though a great market for me, I spent a lot of time up in Ellensburg, right over the mountain. So that is one I will not be at. Then, like I said, I will do a better job come spring and summer when I do extras. Uh, if it does have that PBR logo on it and we do not have an Unleash the Beast tour that weekend, I can go to smaller ones. Thus, that is why I'm in Big Sky, Montana, Livingston, Montana. In the past, I've been to Bismarck and Binford. Uh, this year, going to um, some up here in the Montana uh, South Dakota area. So um, that's my, that my word to you folks is I will do a better job. So that probably, probably the most common thing I, I get asked. So I let people ask questions on my Facebook page and lo and behold, lo and behold, the next most asked question is about the guys I work with in the arena Where's Frank? Where's Shorty? What what happened to these guys? Where's Jesse Byrne? So basically there is not, because I don't think the PBR has ever felt like they, they had to put it out there because it's just business. Riders qualify to be on tour. So if they're riding good and they're doing well, they're on tour unless they're hurt. You know, bullfighters are a little bit the same way. The bull riders select the bullfighters, they vote on the bullfighters that they want to protect them at the tour events. And so before the world finals every year, they have a vote. The top four vote getters should have a PowerPoint, like a whiteboard. The top four vote getters do the world finals and those, and those are the top four guys that then get to pick the Unleash the Beast events that they want to go to. They go three. If one of them's out, I'll give you an example. San Antonio Rodeo coming up. Cody Webster, who also does a lot of great rodeos, PRCA, Bullfighter of the Year, does the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. He goes to San Antonio. So those couple weekends, some the next guy steps in. The biggest question, where's Shorty? And I thought about wiring Shorty in on this podcast. That would have been good to get the first-hand account. In the voting through all the years, we, we all, you know, get a little older. And if I, I've always said, if I had to list the top friend, five friends I've had in my lifetime, Shorty would probably be on that list. 
So when I say this about Shorty, it's just fact of what happened. He did not get voted in. I'm not sure what order. He was sixth or seventh in the order. Um, So Shorty goes to a lot of Velocity Tour events. So uh, I'm leaving it up to everybody watching this. I'm telling you where Shorty is. So I want you to tell all your friends. (laughs) And I want everybody to watch. Because in the last year and a half, there is no one question that I have been asked more than where is Shorty. Am I right, Logan? I, it's the, beside, I think everybody's figured out where JB is. So that was the, that was the second most asked. Um, and by the way, we're all in the PBR very happy for JB Mooney that he went and made the Wrangler NFR. And that was all a case of he just, he wanted to go rodeoing and he loves it and so good for him. Also this year, people have asked where Frank Newsom is. Frank Newsom ended the 2021 season very beat up. Very, uh, very unhealthy. He had a broken leg, and then he he took a shot at the PBR World Finals that injured some things. Um, talked to Frank recently. He's going to try and come back soon. Um, so that's where Frank has been. Remember, those guys get hurt too. Those guys get tired too. So uh, Jesse Byrne did not come down from Canada for a few events and then came to Sacramento. So it's a matter of filling in those spots from other vote-getters. Uh the first event of the year, it was Lucas Teodoro from Brazil, Nathan Harp, and Nate Justice, who nobody really knew. We did because they're NFR bullfighters. Uh, uh, Dusty Tuckness it was about fifth in the getting votes, but he broke his leg at the Wrangler NFR, so he's been out. So we just keep moving them up the ladder. So uh, hopefully that clarifies some of that. So if I, from here on out, if I get... Um, a question that says, where, where's Shorty? Uh, I'm just going to blow up my phone. I'm not sure. I, we got to think of something. So all of you, if you think I'm being snarky about the where's Shorty questions, uh, the answer is, yeah, pretty much. Because the thing, it's sort when I was a, <clears throat> I know elementary school teachers, you, you will agree on this. You always tell kids, even in high school, when somebody else asks a question, pay attention because you may have that same question. So, hey class, everybody's asked where Shorty is. I just told you. So let's go. Did I am I good now? Yeah. See, so Logan's here. He's my he's kind of my only guest this year. So I want to get I don't know whether to start <clears throat> with some very basic things. One of the other things I get asked, and this is a PBR question. And I don't know when somebody says what do you think? I've always said, what do you think? Keep in mind now, this is my, if, if you say, what do we, I think, then you're going to get my opinion. So it's not really fact. But I've been asked a lot what I think of the PBR's new scheduling with the adjustment of the season. Still to this day, there was an ad on Facebook just a couple days ago about the PBR World Finals in Fort Worth in May. And amazing how many people said, wait, what? They moved it? After news releases, it's been all over the internet. So uh, I know people don't pay attention. It's not part of their everyday life. Um, But yeah, for those of you who missed it, and Brandon Bates and I talked about it on the last podcast episode, about the adjustment of the season. The World Finals this year is in May. We are doing about 20 Unleash the Beast events in a matter of 17, 18 weeks right now. So, yes, we will crown a legit world champion. The season really, as far as number of events, isn't that much shorter. 
It's something that's been uh, attempted. PBR tried it 15 years ago to adjust the season. As Brandon and I said, it, it's kind of our current, our former season is kind of taken from the rodeo model where it goes from the first of the year all the way for basically almost 12 months. It, it's hard to, when people, I'm on an airplane and they say, oh, PBR, and you have a discussion and they say, well, what's your season? don't really have a season we go till may and then we take a break in the summer and then we start back up so i know people kind of were were disappointed when we said we're gonna actually have a six-month season well every other sport football does it basketball has a season baseball has a season pbr should we not have a season so i get asked about that what do i think and i got asked what do i think of the pbr world finals moving from vegas to texas I don't know what I think because I've never done the world. Well, I should say I have done the world finals in Texas out of necessity when we couldn't do it in Vegas and we did it at AT&T Stadium. AT&T Stadium's huge and it's a lot of work. So I'm looking forward to Dickey's Arena in Fort Worth. Beautiful state-of-the-art new arena. What do I think of it going to Texas? I don't know because I'm a Vegas guy. Uh, I... You know, my career, I've done the Wrangler National Finals in Vegas. I've done the PBR World Finals since 1997 in Vegas. So that's a that's a loaded question for me because I love Las Vegas. I'm, in, I'm relaxed in Vegas. I feel at home in Vegas. I'm there a lot. I have great friends there. <clears throat> so I can't say, oh, I'm pissed it's moving from Vegas. I don't know because we're still going to do an event, the team's event in Vegas. So I can't, I'll tell you what, I'll give you my opinion on about May 23rd, the day after World Finals, or I won't. But I hope, see, the, the other thing is this. I think I'm in a different situation than fans. It doesn't matter what I think because it's my job, so I have to go in there full of joy, full of excitement in order to do a good job for you, the fans, that go and watch the PBR World Finals. So you really try to compartmentalize it and not bring that into the game Um you know, when you're, why, why would I say, I'm pissed about moving to Texas, this sucks. Then you go in with a bad attitude. And I don't think that, by the way. So it is, that's a hard one to answer. Along with that, I get asked, what do I think of the team format that the PBR is doing then from midsummer through October? First of all, let's clarify, let's clarify some things and clear up some confusion People have, have commented to me, I'm confused which one are regular events and which one are team events. I don't know if this was made, it, will this be critical of PBR? Maybe. I don't know if it was made real clear that the team format thing starts, that's kind of a late summer fall thing. So any events that are going on now, we're crowning a world champion. They're, they're regular great PBR events. Team event, the team format, and, and a lot of people, I'm not going to take the time here to explain it all, but it's going to be easier to follow than I think what is being portrayed by people. It'll be teams. We did some of it two summers ago in Las Vegas when we spent a month there. So it, I think it's going to be easier to follow than you think. I, that's another case of, I'm not sure. And People have asked how many of them, if I'm working the team events, there is discussion right now on how the TV and live production is going to work and how we, we can present it in an entirely different way and different format than what you see in the arena and on TV right now. 
So we're selecting, we're going through the process of right, right now of what my role will be in the team events. Am I a fan of the team event bull riding? I want it to be really cool. And it's another thing that's never, <clears throat> as far as PBR, we do the Global Cup. We did it for a month in Vegas. It's been there, but not tried in a consistent basis with team owners and team managers and team coaches. So I'm very interested to see what it looks like. Are, is this the diplomatic answer I'm giving you? <laughs> I'm, uh, it's a wait. For me, it's a wait and see approach. Um, it's not. It's not like something where, Oh, hey, I was involved with this five years ago and I didn't like it. I can't do that because it's new for all of us. Hopefully, it, it creates a little different excitement around an already great sport. The nuts and bolts of the thing is it's still great bull riders on great bulls. It's still bull riding. The heart of the sport is still there. The format of, of crowning champions is just a little different. And remember, we are still having a regular season. We're in the heart of the regular season right now as this podcast comes out. So don't panic. Um, and I, I I don't know what my role will be in that, but, uh, you know, it's hard when you ask my opinion of something when I haven't experienced and I'm not on the inside of it. So anyway. This, along with every episode of According to Flint, brought to you by Pendleton Whiskey. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, a whiskey that captures that unique spirit in every bottle. A whiskey made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood glacier water. A whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That is Pendleton Whiskey, and that's true Western tradition. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Uh, I do, what I have, I have my phone today. So the folks that sent questions, it's all right here. It's all, that. that is what I'm literally reading the questions from my phone. Oh, what cowboy themes should I do for my wedding? I don't know. What, is there a choice? Like, what do you mean cowboy themes for your wedding? Um, well, if you're doing a cowboy theme for a wedding, everybody's going to be drunk. <laughs> and somebody's going to fight. Uh, somebody's going to spit chew in the flowers. Uh, what else? What's it? How am I doing? Classy, classy stuff. Um, but we just, as we do this... <clears throat> We have recently returned from Sacramento, California. Uh, one Kevin says, how would you rank the Sacramento people? Being from North Dakota and living in North Dakota, it sure is a different crowd. Uh, say this, Kevin. You damn right it's a different crowd than the people in North Dakota. We have for years talked about, I get asked, the other common question I get is, uh, what's your favorite place to go? I don't know. We used to have stops on tour that were, Definitely not as much fun as others and some that were just head and shoulders above the rest. We are lucky enough now that consistently we go to some really great cities. I judge places I like to go by the quality of the arena, how our sound sounds in there, how engaging the crowd is. Because frankly, especially as the year carries on, we don't do a lot of extras in the cities. 
People ask me all the time about, hey, what do you do when you're in this city? Do you get out and see things? By about March, you just, uh, I'll tell you, I know this about a lot of cities. I know at the airport, the hotel, and the arena look like, and I know how good the Uber service is. And that's not to sound jaded. It's just reality of these cities. We don't always get to see a lot. But um, we have bragged for years about Sacramento, California crowds. And people are amazed by that. Like, I know people in Montana take such, uh, in this area of the country, take such ownership of the cowboy lifestyle and the Western way of life. It's like, there's four riding fans in California. California is great rodeo country. I used to spend all spring there in Northern California with Red Bluff and Clovis and Redding and all the other ones in between. And um, the, the Sacramento crowd is, they, here's the difference in crowds. I think Kansas City is one of those crowds as well. I think Anaheim in Orange County, California is one of those crowds as well. When they go to an event, I think when we go to a rodeo or bull riding event in states that have it a lot, we go ready to watch the, bull riding we watch the bulls and watch the the, the bulldogging or the calf rope or whatever when they go to those shows they're going to a party they are going it's like they're attending an event a, a concert so the whole approach the reason those crowds are different is they go into it different there when we were at the old arena in sacramento which was farther out into the Right now, they have the Golden One Center, which is gorgeous right downtown. The old arena had huge, big parking lots. People used to tailgate in Sacramento. So the the whole approach is different. That's why the crowds are different. They're, they're approaching it as, we're just going to have a big party, and we're going to have some bull riding in it. And so, yeah, it's, it's wild. Some people like it. Some people don't. <clears throat> I don't like just pure wild crowds. I like crowds that are both knowledgeable about bull riding and have a really good time. And that's kind of, Sacramento's a little that way because Northern California is pretty good cowboy country. Kansas City is kind of that way. Uh, beautiful arena, good crowd, sneaky. Kansas City's one of my sneaky favorite events. Sneaky favorite. Beautiful arena. It's just cool. Anyway, sneaky. Power and light district down with all the restaurants. Yeah, sneaky good. Um, here is... Uh, and, in the in the process of scheduling events, I'm not in on scheduling events, but Joe, who asks this a lot, Joe is the Columbus, Ohio guy, always. But uh, but I always uh, it, there's a bigger picture here. He says, why don't you all come back to Kentucky or Ohio or Indiana when you have great crowds? Why keep going to where there isn't many fans? Um, I'm not in on the scheduling. I'm not, but I know our scheduling. We're working in arenas that are NBA arenas, NHL arenas, college basketball arenas that have other stuff. And we have to work around uh, how we can get into those arenas and schedule an event. You know, people, somebody recently said, oh my God, you went from Atlanta to Sacramento to Milwaukee. That makes no sense, but it's all scheduling in those arenas. You know, you figure Sacramento and Milwaukee back to back, they both have, they both have NBA teams in those arenas. So we really have to schedule. We have truck drivers that drive those seven semi trucks. Um, so there are reasons for it and market analysis. People wonder why we go to Northern States in the winter when it's so damn cold because it works because a winter event in a beautiful arena in somewhere like Milwaukee works. The people like to go watch indoor events. 
We've seen it in Billings when we had to delay it and put it in the summer. Doesn't work. Nobody wants to go inside. We only we only have four months of summer here. Why would we want to go inside? And then it's rodeo season in Montana. So there's reasons. So when Joe says <clears throat> Kentucky or Ohio or Indiana, for one, we went to Indianapolis and had 11,000 people on New Year's night. Um, so we have been to Indiana. We uh, Columbus, Ohio is hit and miss. Honestly, Kentucky, I think we have a velocity tour in uh, Louisville or Lexington, maybe not the main tour. And then I'll just finish with this because I, well, I can't answer these without being snarky. Why keep going to where there isn't many fans? Like, like where? You tell me. Where have we messed up recently that we don't have many fans? There you go. By the way, I, I said in my video I put out, because this reminds me right now, because I instantly look for a comment. I've missed a little bit. I've missed our Facebook Live. It, for, for, for the people that are kind of fans, we did Facebook Live <clears throat> every Tuesday night for a year and a half. With some of the new shows we're doing, we uh, I'm going to do some randomly. But what became hard is... The questions go so fast, and then as I'm answering a question, trying to be informative, people are putting their comments. I get distracted. Everybody get dis get dis gets distracted. So I'm not getting the instant feedback, but it's nice to take a question from the list of questions and just to be able to look in the camera and answer it because it kind of turned into other people answering each other's questions and it turned into more of a conversation with all the fans, which is great, but this is nice to be able to actually answer um, answer your questions from here. Um, I'll, I'll get to this. This guy named Trevor, these are really, really good questions. He wrote two in a row. I'll read his word for word first. Other than learning about managing money, taxes, and things of that nature... What do you think is really important for the 18-year-old kid leaving home to go rodeo to know before he leaves or, or something you should think more young kids rodeoing to know? So, in other words, 18-year-old kid heading out, I'm going to go rodeo for a living. What would I tell him? Yeah, you're right. Money. Uh, if you win a bunch of money, don't spend it all on booze and whatever. There's a lot of people that win money right away and they think never another poor day. I'm going to uh, blow it. I, I know there's a lot of good young people. I, I use Jess Lockwood as an example. He won a lot of money early and he invested it. He, he put some away and then he invested in land, cattle. He put it back into what he knew so that he could use that to make a living later. That's an example um, the chances are for the most part, if you're 18 and you hit the road and go rodeoing, the percentage of people who have that opportunity like Jess Lockwood is very, very low. Uh, definitely have a plan B and don't be a dumbass. There you go. Uh, you got to have a plan B. Um, I wish I, it would be interesting to see how many world champion rodeo cowboys retire with absolutely nothing. Cause sadly that's very, very common. In today's world, they're learning. There's been enough people that retire with nothing that they're learning. Uh, the money is better. Endorsement opportunities is better. Guidance is better. And so um, you got to have a plan B and you better learn how to lose because in rodeo, you lose more than you win. 
That's, uh, I mean, that's just reality. So you better learn how to lose. Um, I don't know. There, there's so many things. It'd be, it's be I nice sit with an 18 year old. I just see so many of them that go out there with stars in their eyes and they're going to make it. And the thing is in rodeo, even in roping, but more in rough stock, it's, you're always one ride away from, from having to retire because of injury. So don't put all your eggs in that basket until you have proven you, there are guys that have and have done very well, but at 18, that's a tough thing to do. Uh, Trevor asked the same question. How have you handled the travel and being on the road wearing on you mentality on your mentality? Was there ever times you were, you dreaded having to get on the next flight or the next drive somewhere? Uh, tomorrow. (laughs) Uh, I've been doing this a long time and yes, it's especially if you have a family or you're going through personal things. It's very, very hard to to get on a plane every single weekend, and you do dread it. Uh, I think, I don't know that everybody wants, it's good to have a vision that we never treat this as a real job. That when I'm out in the arena, and people say it all the time, you have the best job in the world, and you bet, I've had a great career, and I do, I've had a great job to be able to do what I truly love to do. But yeah, it's not always fun to get on an airplane or get in the, it used to be driving a lot of rodeo people. It's driving and yes, it gets, you do dread it sometimes. Um, hate to say it. You dread walking out in the arena sometime because my job is always to be the happy. If there's 12,000 people there, I'm supposed to be the happiest one there. And hopefully, uh, I have, that creates a fun that creates an energy that is contagious. And hopefully if I'm not the happiest guy that day, I have fooled you into thinking I am the happiest guy that day, but those are real life things, Trevor. And that's part of what you got to learn. He's the same guy that asked about what you could tell an 18 year old. And I'll tell that that goes hand in hand with that. It's not all, it, it's not all hookers and pool parties. As somebody said one time. It, it, there are a lot of days where it is a job. And the thing is, if you want to remain professional and do great at it, you got to treat it like a job because that's your living. So, um, I'll try to pick something good. Uh, my friend, Dwayne Malum, and I can't answer. I can, some of these I'll answer generally, and I'm picking and choosing. If I don't choose your question, I'm sorry. How many judges are in the PBR pool or do the same judges do all the main tour events? I don't know the exact number that are in the pool, but in the main tour, yes, and they have to go to workshops and stay up to date. The judges are picked from that pool for the main tour. Um, they are, there is a group of them. It's not that there's, it's a four judge system. It's not the same four judges every time, but there is a rotation. You can look and there's Donald Owens, Sean Ramirez, Jeff Shear, Lane Fulteen. Um, I, I mean, I can't name them all. Uh, now they'll be mad. I left some out. But they are picked from that pool and very qualified. I always find it amazing how often um, the judges are right. They're very good at their job. Um, let's see. Uh, good one here. I've talked about rodeo. And I've had a, I had a great career in rodeo and I still feel a connection to rodeo. I did the Wrangler National Finals eight times. I really did all the, probably all the good big rodeos. Somebody asked me recently, was there ever a big rodeo you didn't do that you wanted to? And I can't think of one. 
honestly. I, I did everything I wanted to do. And so a lot of people wonder if I'll go back to rodeo. And it's crossed my mind. There's rodeos, certain rodeos in my mind I would like to do. Um, so, so Todd says, any chance you'll be back performing at PRCA rodeos? Or is that all behind you now? And it's all PBR. Um, here's something that I think people don't know. It has crossed my mind. Hmm. Would I want to go back and just do pick 15 rodeos, 12 rodeos in a year that I'd like to do that I could do? It sounds fun. But here's how rodeo works. I am probably, if I said, I think I'm going to, the last couple of years of my career, this is hypothetical, by the way. If I said, these last couple of years of my career, I want to pick 12 good rodeos and I want to come rodeo. The problem is I'm two or three years away from being able to do that because of uh, the way rodeos do such good business anymore. They sign, they have things booked two or three years ahead of time. Or they have Justin Rumford for three years or J.J. Harrison for two years or John Harrison for three years or Robbie Hodges for a couple of years or uh, Cody Sosby and Cheyenne. I mean, I'm trying to pick some good guys and I'll probably forget somebody. So it isn't a case of, hey, everybody, I'm here. I'd like to go to Cheyenne and Pendleton and Reno and Sisters, Oregon and Ellensburg, Washington. Notice the ones I picked. Those are some of the ones I'd picked. <laughs> so it, it's harder and I will never ever, from a business standpoint, be the guy that goes and tries to take rodeos from any of the guys that, that are working them already. So in the arena, it'll probably be PBR. It's, it, it'll probably be, that's from the arena, that's probably, um, that's probably what uh, I will end up doing. That's, I hate to make bold predictions, but yeah. Um, let's see. <clears throat> Name the Cowboys with the best sense of humor and the best bloopers you have shared with them. No real bloopers. Okay, first of all, see, every question, there's a bigger picture that I can approach. That's me, Mr. Bigger Picture. Cowboys with the best sense of humor. When I look back on Cowboys, the bull riders that have been really good friends, it's been a while because I just turned 54 years old and... Uh, Kyler Oliver is 22 years old. I just picked a new guy. Cooper Davis, not even 30. You know, he's 25, whatever he is. Derek Obaba. I really like Derek Obaba. We, we travel together a lot on flights because we're both coming from kind of in the Northwest. Really like Derek. He's like 26. So as far as hanging out, hey, let's be buddies, it does, it, we're, there's a generation difference. Back in the day, and I saw him in Sacramento recently, Michael Gaffney, the G-Man, 1997 world champion. We're same age. Cody Custer. We're about, Cody's a little older than me. We're about the same age. Um, that generation of guys, I was friends and I'm still good friends with Justin McBride and Ross Coleman. Luke Snyder was a good friend, but they're all retired. So my days of really getting to know bull riders, um, I'll tell you, I, 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 there are. Like I said, Coop and... Jess Lockwood, he high school rodeoed with my daughter, so it's a different kind of relationship there. Kobaba, I'm more like their cool uncle. Like, I'm the cool uncle. But as far as sense of humor, 
there's some guys that are just, um, uh, you know, everybody wants every cowboy in the world to be the best person in the world in the cowboy code. And frankly, that's just not how it is. But there's some cool guys. Mauricio Moreta, the the Brazilian that he won Sacramento and he rides on my back as a celebration. He's really funny, but more than that, I admire him because in less than a year, he has really almost mastered the English language, really went out of his way. He did good in school. He told me when he was young, so he has learned English very well. He's really worked hard uh, to kind of do some of that stuff. Mauricio is hilarious. Fabiano Vieta, who now isn't riding, but he was funny. Guilherme Marchi was a good guy as far as the Brazilians. Jose Vitor Leme is just kind and polite, as is Kaiki Pacheco. I've gotten to be better friends with Silvano Alves, actually. Uh, we've hung out a little bit. And then the American guys, same thing. You can always be entertained, you know, by... Uh, Cooper entertains me because he's kind of an intellectual, kind of deeper guy. Boudreaux Campbell's funny. There, There's a lot of them. But as far as sharing bloopers... I'm not a practical joker at all. I hate practical jokes. It just drive, makes me uncomfortable. So I don't mess with those guys. There's a respect there. Uh, I can swing in the, the rider locker room and visit with guys, but I don't mess with them. It's game time. If I'm around those guys, it's, it's like a locker room before a basketball game or football game. You visit and you joke a little bit, but, but you're not messing with people. So I think maybe it's a little different feel than maybe what, uh, people would think. Um, I saw a good one here. Uh, Kathy says, out of all your podcasts you have done, so in these podcasts with all the guests I've done, which one taught you something about yourself? And which one did you learn something about them that you weren't expecting? The taught me about myself is the hard part of that question. Any thoughts? Some that taught me about myself. Um, I'll tell you, there was some really good guys that really were were deep. Um, things I learned about, I'll, I'll tell you, Ty Murray, one of our very first ones, his passion for horses when he started talking about that was impressive. And uh, uh, yeah, Cody, I'll tell you what, Cody Webster and Frank Newsom. Uh, that was, I don't know, there's a lot to those guys. Yeah, there's a lot to Frank. And Frank opens up about stuff and uh, really taps into some emotion. Um, and he, they're such good friends as well. That, that goes back to the locker room. The guys that I fight, that I work with, I share a locker room with the bullfighters. They're my good friends. And then music guys like, you know, those guys I work with and the announcers, those are my good friends, not, not as much the bull riders, but those guys, because we're closer to the same age. The thing that I, the one, one of them that I really learned a lot and I really enjoyed, I'm a music guy, so I want to have another music guest, uh, country music stars, stuff like that. I love music and love hearing about it. Ned Ledoux was so great talking about his dad and his career. But Aaron Watson, if you have a chance, go back and find the one with Aaron Watson. There's a segment in the middle where he talks about, and I, I had my girls listen to it because uh, they're into music. He talks about the music industry and being controlled by the music industry and having record deals and how 
he had a top 10 as an independent artist and a top 10 hit and then never got played on radio again because there was so much control from the record labels on who the radio stations could play. I learned a lot from that and learned a lot about Aaron Watson and what kind of person he is and what's important to him. What's important to him is the emotion of the music, the emotion of the songs he writes and how he performs for the crowd. So that's a great one. If you ever want to listen to a great one, go listen to one with Aaron Watson. So, um, oh yeah, uh, I'll tell you that you're right. Logan's helping me. Probably one of the ones that has the best, one of our best numbers is a live in studio one with me and my daughters, Shelby and Paige. You haven't seen it. It had the most downloads in the first 24 hours as any podcast I ever did. It was cool to sit across this desk from them and have them tell me some of the things they went through in junior high and high school rodeo and even college rodeo because I'm their dad. The advantages people think they had, um, the parents that didn't like them riding their mom's nice horses. Just, that was interesting to me. Uh, to hear their perspective on what they remember about traveling when they were little and what they don't, if I ever make them laugh, uh, how they perceive me in the arena that it's just dad doing his job. That went a lot. That was a, that one was deep to me. That, that one was, I would have to say, I think I learned that would be the one. Maybe I learned something about myself. And when I'm out in the arena and my own kids are watching me, what they really perceive me doing that it's different than every other person in that arena. When they watch, they don't really laugh they just watch, and to them, it's dad interacting with people at his job. That's interesting to me. So that, there you go. Thank you, Logan. Appreciate that. So, um, <clears throat> I get asked, this is another common question, and Todd asked me this, uh, likes what I do. Have you ever thought about working with or training a protege to follow what I'm doing? Again, this leads to a bigger picture. Can and and yes, you can perfect comedy because there's colleges, there's there's troops around. A lot of the Saturday Night Live people come from Second City, or there's um, there's different comedy things to perf perfect the ad lib type comedy. I'm not doing uh, improv. There's improv places where you can go learn improv, so you can do that. But I I don't I think somebody naturally should be funny. Um, I, I never had heroes necessarily that were rodeo clowns. I, I always looked up to comedians and music artists, people who had a stage presence and could capture fans. Maybe you see that in my the shows I do. It's not always just about being funny. It's about bringing people in and making them feel a part of the show. Garth Brooks was a real, I looked up to him for how he, he really refined that, and especially in the country music industry. And through it all, I've never met Garth Brooks. Um, so as far as teaching someone else, it, it, it kind of goes back to what the other guy asked about what you could tell 18 year olds. I think if I ever put on a school for one, I'd teach them how to do business. If you have a contract, you abide by that contract. If you've made a commitment, whether it's a handshake or not, you've made a commitment and you, you better handle that the right way. If something comes up or whatever, I see guys getting out of contracts all the time now. And I just didn't do that. Um, 
And so that would be something I would give. That, that's more the advice I give young people. Um, I think it's hard to train someone to, to be funny. And here's my perspective on my job that I don't know that I can teach. Here's the most underrated part of my job. The most underrated part of my job that people don't see that is good that it's not blatant, but that is underrated is my knowledge of where where I'm working. Because I grew up watching rodeo, not from the bleachers. Not I never paid to get in. I was from behind the scenes. My brother and I, brother Will and I talked about this when he was on my podcast. So I know timing. I know... It, when I was doing rodeos, I, I know that's during the steer wrestling, I put myself along that fence because you don't want that steer to push a certain way. Calf roping, you're over here. You know when it's somebody's a world champion and we need to sell him, when to step out, when to step in. Bull riding wise, I've heard people say, they should just, if you retire, when, if, when you retire, they need to just get some guy that's not a rodeo person, just an entertainer. He'll die out there. Or be scared to death and crap his pants. Because there's a lot going on out there. And I think that's the underrated part of it is the timing of and knowledge of the sport and the danger that's always present, even though, no, I'm not a bullfighter. I don't do that job and they don't do my job, but I'm out there. And let me tell you, that first step onto that fence, it gets higher all every year. So I think that's the underrated part. So as far as training someone, uh, I could take somebody that's already doing it and give them some tips, which I have done. Hey, um, you should do this, 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 but it has more to do with business. Put yourself in a certain situation, but I can't help them go, okay, uh, when he comes off that bull and runs a certain way, you can imitate him and make fun a little, but make sure he knows you're not making fun of him personally. That I can't teach that. That's just... Uh, I don't know how to teach it. So uh, I don't know. Um, There's certain things I can help with. But when it comes time to selling the product and doing a great job, that's that's a tough one. Um, I think I've given the, somebody said, my honest thoughts about the finals moving from Las Vegas to Fort Worth. I kind of covered that. Honest thoughts. I don't know yet. I'm a Vegas guy. Um, I'll pick a couple more here. What has been your all-time favorite fan interaction? Be it at a UTB event, NFR buckle ceremony, or outside the barrel in Vegas. There are certain things that fans do that are fun. Um, Sacramento has this new thing that everybody drinks beer out of their boots. It's the craziest thing. It's Clint Atkins, our announcer, called named it the Sacramento Sip. Everybody pours beer in their boots and drinks. And people are so grossed out by that. But maybe I'm warped in that I'm more grossed out. I'm not as grossed out by drinking out of a boot as I am putting back on a wet boot. That freaks me out. So that's a fun interaction. It's those little things that that people do. I can't think of an individual one. I had a dance contest one year in Kansas City between a chubby guy in the crowd named Skim Milk. That was his name. And Travis Kelsey, tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. It was so awesome. And Kelsey, it was before Kelsey was such a superstar, but the people in Kansas City knew him. So that was great. Um, I like uh, fan interaction. I'll say 
I'll say this, through the years of awarding fans of the night, I don't, I remember very few of them because I do a thing, I do something and then I move on to the next thing. The, a lot of the ones I do remember that are ones that really hit me, hit my heart and I'll tell you who I have a soft spot in my heart for and it's the the joy that um, like Down Syndrome kids or adults bring to a show. They're the happiest fans and appreciative and I really... Um, I really have a soft spot in my heart. And when I see him, I remember him. And so, and, you know, picking fan of the night, sometimes it's a case of, yeah, uh, man, I got nothing. There's a kid dressed like me. The little kid thing, it isn't always about kids because there's too many kids in the crowd whose parents dress them up like me. They bring them to the show and they point to their kid the entire show because really all they want is their kid to get attention or me to give them a buckle. I can tell the difference. Not all of them are like that, but I can tell the difference. So I like ones, there's kids sometimes that are just cool. They're dressed like me, but they're just doing it because they're cool. Those are the ones that get me. So, see, bigger picture, Logan. I'm telling you. Um, would I ever consider dancing with the stars? That came up two or three times. Yeah, you consider it, but I, I don't know if people understand. You just don't go knock on the door of the studio and go, hey, uh, I'm here for Dancing with the Stars. For one, in the mainstream world, I'm not a star at all. We know each other because of, you know, most of the people on here are bull riding fans. So I don't know how that, that goes through agents. I've talked to Ty Murray about it because Ty, it's been about 12 years ago. He was on it and that all went through agents and, and there was negotiations. And um, for one, I don't have an agent to do that. For two, I know at the time, I don't even pay attention to Dancing with the Stars anymore, so I don't know when it's on. But there was no way, there is no way I could do Dancing with the Stars and work the PBR season at the same time. There's too much. It is live. Like when Cord McCoy did The Amazing Race, it was filmed like months ahead of time and then they had to keep it a secret. Dancing with the Stars actually is live week to week. So I wouldn't be able to do both jobs. So depending on the money, I guess we'll see. <laughs> so... Sure, I'd consider it. Uh, I like Angus. For one, I like the name Angus McIntosh. How how Irish is that? Uh, my, my name's Angus McIntosh. I built that bridge. <laughs> what is your favorite town in Montana other than Thompson Falls? Uh, apparently, apparently, Angus is from Thompson Falls, which is way, for all of you people that watch Yellowstone, Thompson Falls way up in the northwest corner of Montana. I can honestly say all the places, you know, all the, I've been everywhere. I've never been to Thompson, Thompson Falls, Montana. The Blue Hawks. I think they're the Blue Hawks. I've been to Libby. I've been to Libby, Libby Loggers, Eureka Lions. Thompson Falls is up there somewhere. And I've never been. My favorite town in Montana? I don't know. I really don't. I'm in Billings right now. I like Billings. Thompson Falls. Did you, oh, I thought you were, uh, or Google. I think it's Blue Hawks. Um, more of Flint Rasmussen at our small rodeos. Come back to Superior. We all graduate. I love the small rodeos I did. It would be fun to make some cameos at a couple of those. Uh, so this ties back to something else, and then we'll wrap it up, that I brought up. Here's an off-the-rope question for or two. Wendy. Wendy's on here a lot. Good fan. Do you have any particular restaurants that you make a point to go to when you're in a certain town? 
What type of food? Do you stick to a training regimen? Training, I try to work out during the week. Right now, what I'm going through as we're going through this grueling part, Blue Hawks, isn't it? You're welcome. Uh, they had a really good eight-man football team last season. Yeah, they were in the playoffs. Anyway, uh, my training regimen, as we're into a pretty grueling, for me, part of the schedule, I don't work out as much when I'm home. For example, you come off Sacramento, which is three days, and the truth is, here's some honest, really open up truth. I used to be tired after performances. Now my legs and feet just really hurt. So I take got to take two or three days before, because I do like to run. I know I should do something else. I need to stretch more. I need to do better training. Uh, restaurants that I make to, a point to go to in a certain town. Not always by complete preference that we love their food, but like, I know I referenced this because it's recent. Sacramento, there's a yard house right by the hotel. So we eat at yard house. Um, there's different ones where there's a restaurant. In in New York City, we always used to go to, uh, oh, I just wore the t-shirt. Oh, there's an Irish pub that we used to walk to near Times Square. Always. Uh, because they treated us very well. We stayed pretty close. The chicken pot pie was amazing. Um, so... Uh, places like that. When I'm in New York City, I try to get to John's Pizza not down near Broadway. It's at like 44th and 8th on the corner. So stuff like that. New York City, you got to eat pizza. Otherwise, there's a lot of times, you know, we get catering before a few hours before a show, the production team. And then by the time you get out of a show, nothing's open a lot. So it's glamorous. A lot. Uh, let's see if I'm missing. Oh, somebody asked, what year will we, you be joining the Cowboy Downhill Race in Steamboat in January? They have the big Cowboy Downhill Ski Race. Been going on forever. I used to do the Denver Rodeo, which it falls in the middle of, but I had performances during the day, so I could never go, and now I'm not there. But uh, I don't ski much anymore because my living depends on these old legs. I always find it funny that rodeo cowboys that are in the middle of their big winter rodeo season a lot of them that don't ski very well go and wipe out in a cowboy downhill and hurt themselves in the middle of a season. And I know it's a tradition, but that's one thing cowboys do that other athletes don't do, and it's confusing. Anyway, um, this is uh, this was a Kenla, and I we've communicated with you before about some company stuff, but direct messaged me this question, and I found it. In, interesting and in quotes she put and I'll end with this one after all is said and done end of the day lights go down what keeps you showing up to the world of PBR or rodeo time after time because being on the road is not easy what are you taking away from your own arena experience so that's a it's a good one to end with because the that is the question that we all, you know, goes back to, I would like to do this for a living. What would you tell young people? What, what are you taking from this? At, at the end of the day, lights go down. What keeps you showing up? You got to, I don't know. What keeps me showing up? You want the cold answer? It is the one thing that I'm really good at and how I support my family and how I make a living, honestly. That, what keeps me showing up, it's my job. And, you know, what keeps a school teacher going to work every day? Well, the technical cold answer is they have to because it's their job. 
So that's the cold answer. But why do I continue to pick this? I could at any time say, hey, PBR, at the end of this season, I'm done. I can't right now. I have obligations to my family and need to make a living. And I also feel like this. I This is not meant to sound arrogant, but I've said this a while. If I'm at a PBR at a rodeo like Calgary, this has happened. And all of a sudden, they have a re-ride or a... Uh, Something broke down behind the in the gates and they can't get bulls loaded. And they say, Flint, we need like eight minutes from you. They'll do this. We need eight minutes for you to fill and entertain this crowd while we fix this. The reason I keep going back to my job is because even at 54 years old, I will challenge anybody in this profession to fill eight minutes better than I can. Uh, if I got to sing, if I got to dance, if I got to do comedy, if we got to get the crowd to sing along. And that is with the help of the people I work with. Whether it's a music guy like Richard or Brad, or it's with Clint and Matt, or it was Brandon Bates or Scott Grover. I work with all of them. But I feel like I'm still good at my job. That That's why I don't call it quits. It hurts a lot of days. Uh, like somebody asks, Flying sucks. How do you how do you dread not dread getting on a flight? I feel like I'm still good at it. And to answer the rest of her question, you know, what am I taking from it? I never want, when I'm done with this job, I never want to look back and go, oh, I didn't quite finish. I, I feel like I'm close to being finished with the with traveling and jumping around the dirt. My I, uh, you know, brutally honest, I've beat the shit out of my feet for about 30 years. But I do feel like I'm still good at this job. And I know there are people probably watching this that wish I, it's time to retire. Let somebody else have a chance. And I think I'd be more convinced if I felt like that other person was doing a better job than me. That's not arrogance. That's confidence in what I still have to offer and what I still can do. Um, as far as transitioning and being done within the arena, I, I, I get asked right here, what are you going to do when you're done in the arena? I think that's kind of what we're working on here. So um, I've talked about different things. But anyway, that's what I take from this is that I have taken, we get all the time, the rodeo world, what we do for a living. You guys are crazy. Nobody's crazy for the job they do. Everybody finds something they're good at and have a passion for, and they figure out how to make a living at it. Uh, Lou Holtz, I always go uh, back when I, I've given talks to young kids. Lou Holtz, famous Notre Dame and other schools football coach, he said there's three keys to a happy, successful life. Happy and successful life. Find something you're really good at. Do that something very well. And third, find somebody that'll pay you to do it. And hopefully that's what I've done. My mom says all the time, I act like I always did. I just get paid for it now. I know I probably didn't answer all the questions you wanted me to ask, but I always like to do this. I love Q&As. I like it more when we're face-to-face and we can have an exchange if I don't quite answer the question the way you want it to. But we don't have that here. But I want to do this more. And, uh, you know, coming up very soon as you watch this, uh, I've been to your city. I'm coming to your city. Milwaukee, Oklahoma City, L.A., Little Rock, uh, St. Louis, all these places. Um, we appreciate, know that we appreciate the fans. I appreciate you 
um, uh, watching this podcast. Thanks to uh, RMEF, Pendleton Whiskey. Hey, thanks to Wrangler for the new ATG brand new shirt, by the way, and Cooper Tires, all our friends. So we'll see you next episode. Uh, remember, join us on Pluto TV, Ride Pass on Pluto every Wednesday night at 9.30 Eastern Time, 7.30 in the mountains for the According to Flint half hour show. Anyway, see you next time, everybody. Thanks for listening.